Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Youth Guys in That Podcast, the home of literal shit posting and of feces and sedition. Thank you for joining us. The decimation of your asshole on horseback returns part two with Comrade Klaus out on the West Coast. Thanks for joining us once again. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here, guys. Outstanding. So the last time we talked to you, we got through some really good subjects. Uh, we talked about uh, jujitsu. We talked about a lot of interesting things. We left off with Normie on ramps, uh, specifically talking about Joe Rogan. Alex Jones, uh, Jimmy Dore, and Glenn Greenwald. Well, it's very fortuitous that we're going to talk about Rogan for just a second, who obviously runs the biggest podcast on the planet. Uh, Spotify has now deleted 42 episodes of the Joe Rogan experience. So Spotify has now deleted uh, episodes from its archives after after the audio streaming giant recently and quietly removed two more episodes from its service. One of the latest episodes deleted at first reported by Digital Music News on Tuesday was episode number 411 with Bulletproof Coffee founder Dave Asprey. The podcast episode initially aired on November of 2013, so now we're eight years ago and they're going back that far, but is now unavailable to Spotify listeners, bringing the total uh, to three episodes featuring this individual that have been deleted. So Angel, I know it asked me before, like who has been um, banned or deleted or thrown down the memory hole for those of you who have read, uh, um, what is it, 1984, where they throw it down the memory hole mm-hmm. and it sets on fire. Yep. So here are the people that are on the list. Uh, comedian Chris Delia, uh, it's D and an apostrophe E-L-I-A. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right or not. It doesn't matter. Also, he, uh, uh, Brian Redband and Felicia Michaels, an episode that was re- recorded in 2011, so 10 years ago, they're going back that far, including uh, Gavin McInnes, Eddie Bravo, Alex Jones, obviously, and Milo Yiannopoulos. Eddie Bravo surprises me because they're like good friends, and I know that Eddie talks a lot of crazy shit about flat earth and uh you know he's he's just the kind of he's kind of out there but he's really harmless when it comes to like he really doesn't say anything totally controversial you know what i mean so uh spotify if any of you pay for their service i would seriously consider perhaps not paying for it anymore and christopher was telling me that they pay artists for shit when it comes to their music is that accurate fractions of a penny per play wow so they're like making millions. Yeah. And they're 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 reaping the benefits of it. I mean, it, it's just like, you know, it, it, it's the same. It's doing the same sins as the original as, as the old dinosaur music industry. It's where it's just exploiting artists and just completely ripping them off. Like they're not getting paid for, you know, for shit for that. Like they do not make money off of, off of Spotify. Like unless like legitimately, like unless you're like one of the most popular artists and you're getting like tens of millions of, of like listens on your song, like you're you're not going to see shit. Fair enough. Um, I, I, I don't use Spotify for nothing. I, I have Neither iTunes. I. <laughs> so uh, and I like to own my music. You know what I mean? I don't want it to be. I know that oh, you can download your playlist. Well, you could download my balls. I'm not doing that. I already have <laughs> everything on my phone. I have an entire catalog of death metal, heavy metal, and punk rock on there. What do I need to add another app to my fucking memory for? That's No, that's zero. That's false, and I'm not doing it. So uh, moving on, to get to back to the list of topics that we were going to discuss, there were so many of them that this is a part two. The first time that we've had to do a part two to make sure that we covered our bases. We're going to start off with, uh, with questions on the economy. Now, you had uh, sent to me something you wanted to talk about, a mention anyway, 
about how many agencies do you need to go through to start a business? Now, are you familiar with this yourself? Like, have you experienced the heavy hand of the state and regulation and how many hoops you've had to jump through, Comrade Klaus? Well, that's a great question. Yeah. Um, back in the day, I was actually trying to start a uh, kombucha business. And because of the nature that it's fermented, there's trace elements of alcohol. And so the amount of agencies they wanted to get involved just to be able to start a business was pretty astounding to see. And it really kind of set me down the road of um, realizing just how many agencies I would have to go through to be able to be fully compliant and to be able to create a business. It was, it was really eye-opening. And uh, so I, I, something I really encourage people to do is to, you know, try to start a business. <laughs> if that doesn't, you know, create an anarchist, I don't really know what will. <laughs> <laughs> right. I got, I got a buddy of mine that has his own business and he had to like he got an LLC, but he wound up having to reduce like his work to essentially like a, like a general handyman or something because they originally were doing roofing. But speaking of regulation and stuff like they were like, they, there was a separate process that they had to go through on top of the LLC for being a handyman and then they also had to carry like this ridiculous amount of insurance in order to be able to do roofing jobs. So they had to like completely nix it and then scrap all their old business cards because they weren't even allowed to advertise that they can do roofing, but for real, they can probably just do roofing on the side. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like a cash business. Right. Right. Which is the yeah, best kind of business. Yeah, that's an example I can think of, you know, just from people that I know that had to, you know, either jump through hoops or, make cuts or make compromises because of you know levels of bureaucracy and bullshit that you got to go through right i think a great example of that is your local marijuana dealer uh and i'll, and I'll tell you why here's a great example so there's a couple of things i can't speak for what happens um out where you are because depending on what state you're from out west everything is legal or mostly everything is legal which is great i mean they're for shit on guns and many other things out west. Uh, when by, by that I mean, you know, the Pacific Coast states. But on the other hand, there's a lot of things that they are, you know, I guess the literal being progressive, like progressing towards liberty, where you can, you know, imbibe whatever substances you choose to do, which is entirely your business, your body, your choice. So in uh, in Ohio, there's legalized medical marijuana. Okay. Now, I have a friend of mine who got her card because she has a traumatic brain injury and her like her husband has to drive her everywhere. So part of uh, her recovery was to get on medical marijuana to deal with, you know, the constant pain that she has, the headaches and shit like that. So her husband has to drive her to all these places. Well, what I didn't know and I checked and it's fact, if you're if you're a gun owner and you apply for a medical card, you can't have both. Why? Ma marijuana. Yeah. Marijuana. Not Why? not not a crack card. Not not a fucking not a doing a, a fucking, uh, you know, Turkish fucking amphetamine card. I'm talking about grass. And most of that shit that they're doing is CBD strong. It's not the THC stuff. It's to yeah. help you with your pain that you, you can't be you can't own guns and have a medical card in the state of Ohio. So in that case, guess what happens? The free market reigns supreme because you're going to buy your grass from your very reliable grass dealer who has always hooked you up with the good shit and doesn't require you to surrender your firearms. Right. You know Support what I mean? your local black markets. That's right. So that's a yet another example of, Hey, Oh, we're giving you this freedom, but 
Aha, <laughs> right? There's a trick. You cannot have a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, um, yeah, yes, comrade, you can get high, be docile. That's no, gun. no gun. <laughs> no gun. No gun. <laughs> but like, why? Why can't you? I guess because it's an excuse for them to take guns away from people. Why else? Yeah. Yeah, there, there's no there's no other reason. There's no both? other reason because people don't smoke marijuana and get violent. Ever. 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 Like <laughs> no. most people fucking like I like most people fucking smoke weed and eat a bag of Doritos and get glued to their couch and watch funny TV shows. Like that that's you know, funny movies. Or take like, a nap or something. Yeah, yeah. Or fucking yeah. take a nap, you know. Like n- nobody is fucking smoking a joint and then fucking going out and shooting up people. Like no, it's the most, not happening. Most fucking absurd fucking shit I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, it is very absurd. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing how they'll just, you know, like I said, you're like, okay, it's take two, take one step forward and take five steps back. Why am I going to get a card when I can get it from my, my local dealer? If I have one, and I'm not saying that if I do or I don't, or growing your medicine in your backyard. What does in that have to do with guns? What's that? In Minecraft, of course. Oh, always, always in always, Minecraft. We're huge always. fans. I, I, I yeah. mean, obviously, you know that, right? Um, yeah, big Minecraft. <laughs> Minecraft is actually really relaxing if you ever tried to like play it. It's it's kind of cool. I, I have real Legos. Like I, I don't know about I the digital know. kind. That kind of passed me by. Like I'm old now. Like that's right. not going to do it for me. But my kid was really into it for a long period of time. So, um, yeah, I think he's still into it. I'm still, I still think he uses it, but, um, yeah, I, that's just not for me, but in Minecraft, of course, anything is possible, including, you know, hosing down certain agents of the Minecraft state with Minecraft bullets and Molotov cocktails in and Minecraft lava. and lava in Minecraft, Minecraft, Minecraft. Yeah. This is yeah, mine, mine, Minecraft. Yeah. <laughs> send you to the Eastern front. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to send you to the fucking Stalingrad of Minecraft. Yeah, um, Minecraft. Minecraft. <laughs> That's a t-shirt right there. I came up with that for the first time. Thank you very little. Right. Um, no. So uh, minimum wage. Now, that varies. I know there's a federal minimum wage, and then every state has the right to. I remember, I'm going to show my age, you guys, use guys. Uh, my first job was in 1995. And I made four dollars and twenty-five cents an hour. Um, I know that you probably you couldn't get a millennial out of bed for less than probably ten dollars an hour, and that's pushing it. But what is your position on the minimum wage, Comrade Klaus? Tell us all about it. Well, I mean, in a way, it's setting a minimum price so you're pricing some people out of the market. And so, what I always bring back is, you know denying people the right to work is immoral. And so I personally don't uh, support any minimum wage. I, I would prefer that each uh, wage is done on a contact contract by contract basis. And if you wanted somebody who was, I, I usually just explain the fact that not everybody produces the same amount of productivity. And if somebody produces a dollar worth of productivity, it wouldn't make any economic sense to pay them more than that. So if you're going to expect to get a dollar worth of productivity out of somebody, by default, you're going to have to pay them less than a dollar. It just makes economic sense. And so I usually just explain that argument that it doesn't always make sense that you're going to have to pay somebody a minimum wage if they're not capable of producing that level of base output. I think it's a great argument. And to uh, further to your point, a lot of these uh, fast food places, you know, when workers have started to demand 
$15 an hour wages, where probably a lot of employees who made it up to either a supervisor position or maybe a manager position, let's say, took a long time to get to the salary level that they're at. And most of that is 50% of success is what showing up to work. A lot of, a lot of places like my kid works in fast food at what, as well as finishing high school. And, you know, the turnover in these places are ridiculous. You can't get people to stick around. Now, a lot of that sometimes is leapfrogging to a better job, right? Like there, if you, if you work at McDonald's and KFC is going to pay you, you know, a dollar 50 more an hour. Well, yeah, it's, it behooves you to change jobs, but a lot of these kids just refuse to show up because they just don't want to work and that's fine. Then they don't get a wage. But when you're willing to pay somebody $15 an hour to put uh, paper wrapping around a, you know, a sandwich and push it down to a heated plate, why wouldn't I pay for automation? I would make that investment once and never have to pay $15. And there's another thing too. And we haven't been able to go into restaurants because the Rona is very strong inside a restaurant, uh, fast food restaurants that is. Okay. So in some places that are open, but where I live, Every single fast food place, the Rona is incredibly powerful inside the Taco Bell lobby, the McDonald's lobby, the Wendy's lobby, and especially the Arby's. We all know that the, the Rona hates the Arby's and is, is in the lobby waiting to murder you by that bell that you ring when you had excellent like, service. Gonna kill you, gonna kill yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, and then it goes into the parking lot at 9.59, or 11.59 now because His Majesty lifted the order and last midnight. Like, quick, he's getting a beef and cheddar. Let's get him now. <laughs> He's got coupons. <laughs> but uh, is that horsey sauce in his pocket? <laughs> they always give you more of that shit than the RV sauce. And it's like, look, I need one packet of fucking horsey sauce for all of this shit. But no, they're like half 25. And you're like, you're digging around and you're like, one goddamn RV sauce for 25 pounds of curly fries. Great. Thanks for nothing. Never forget the Arby's. But seriously. So they have these kiosks in the McDonald's now where you don't even have to talk to a person anymore. You go inside. Oh, I like start, that. You start pushing the buttons about what you want. You can, you can customize your, your sandwich or whatever you want, the sauces for your nuggies. You can do all that shit, right? And then they just call you up and then you get your food. You don't even have to deal with the cashier. So once again, that whole fight for 15, I know Malice has taken a lot of photographs of like, you know, places installing automation into these fast food restaurants where they're mm -hmm. like, listen, we're not going to pay you $15 an hour when the job you're doing doesn't demand $15 an hour. It's that concept of like, I showed up, therefore I should be a millionaire. And I see this a lot in academia, like going through and finishing, uh, finishing a uh, degree is a lot of people. And I'm not, it's not a joke when you get a liberal arts degree, let's, I'm going to give you an example, comrade Klaus. Let's say you get a history degree, a political science degree, a criminal justice degree, uh, an English, English degree. Uh, you get any of the liberal arts degrees. Generally, those degrees are meant for what? A stepping stone to the next stop. So you're either going to get a master's in that discipline or for political science and criminal justice people, they're going to go take the LSAT and begin their training in law school. Okay. So in order to get access to these higher levels of training for specialization, you have to have one of these liberal arts degrees, but there are people who graduate with a political science degree and think that they're going to work for a fortune 500 company and have a yacht and a vacation house when they don't realize that you just, okay, yes, you graduated, you have a bachelor's degree, but you didn't work this whole time. So you have no work experience. You didn't take a fucking internship everywhere. You don't know how to do math. So we can't stick you in fucking accounting. 
So then they get pissed off when they're not, when they're making 30 K they owe 150 and they're like, well, I don't understand what the college. Yeah. But you didn't fucking do, you didn't go get a chemistry degree. If you have a four-year degree in chemistry, you're going to do pretty well. I mean, the U S government hires people all the time to make terrible weapons of war. That'll choke you to death. You can get a great job as a chemist with the federal government or with a private company, let's say, right? Because that is a hard science, or even geology, for example. If you get a geology degree, even a four-year degree, you can get into the gas and oil business, especially with shale, because they want to hire people that know rock formations that are underground, so they know what drills to use as they're going in there. It's an in-demand position. But if you have one in women's studies, ladies, I'm sorry. That's, you can't, We're like, not that interesting. Well, Jesus, I wouldn't say that. I'm just saying you can't be the fucking CEO of a Fortune 500 company. No, we're not that interesting. There's only so much you can say. And I'm not trying to be rude, but that's the facts. I didn't say any of that shit. There's only so much you can say. What do you mean by that? What? There's only so much you can say about women's studies. Like, what do you say? I don't know. I never took the classes. Like, we're here. We're, you know, (laughs) we can vote now. It's fine. That's it. Vote harder, Angel. Yeah, that's it. Like, I don't, I don't know what the deal is. Like, the deal is. The history of us, like, okay. The deal is that people get, uh, I hate to say it, guys. They get what they think is an easy degree. Like, there's a lot of people I know who get communications degrees and then are astounded when they can't find work. I don't know. I just feel like it, it just does a lot of these degrees. They, it, they just don't make any sense to me. Well, they're, they benefit the university. Yeah. They I benefit guess. the university, you know, yeah, cause they get all that, uh, what do you, all that, go- all that government know? money while they jack up the price of education because the right. government has intervened and they just keep making money. And so they just keep making useless degrees for people to get, you know, like you said, like gender studies or, whatever you know but i mean like what do you what do you expect to learn like women's studies like you know study yourself there's these i don't know just these people nowadays man a a lot of folks are like they like identity politics is their whole personality Mm -hmm. and and they want to get a job talking about that you know and like you're not going to get a job unless you get become like some sort of like you know newscaster or or Mm -hmm. working for vice or some shit like that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, fu- I fucking i fucking hate vice <laughs> I, put out I just the I worst just, horse shit i don't know like i just feel like these like special I, maybe there is you know something to them and i'm just kind of like i don't know a grouch about it but i just find it like what are you learning like what do you learn i, from I don't that? know i mean i don't know i don't know either but it just sounds boring like i said the, all of those liberal arts degrees are generally to set you up to apply to higher levels of education because that's where you need to go you can't just get i got an english degree pay me 100k well i mean that's not gonna this is not gonna work this is not gonna happen i mean like even now like even i i don't know if it's like across the country but i, I mean at least here in ohio like teachers have to have their master's degree now like before you used to be able to like you know be a teacher off of just a bachelor's but you have to go for a master's and stuff now so like you said pursuing that that next tier of education yeah. Uh, and a lot of people don't uh, realize that. And that's, you know, that's on, that's, that's right. on you. You need to do your research. Yeah. You need to figure out where well, you're going to go to college. I mean, you might as well get more bang for your buck. I mean, the hard sciences, unless you're planning on going to being a lawyer, which is great. I mean, shit, there's a plenty of work in that, but you know, again, 
you really have to be able to scout out what you're doing. And that once again, goes back to personal responsibility. One of the topics that we had covered in the previous show with comrade Klaus was personal responsibility and taking ownership of your life. And if you're just going to college saying, I got a piece of paper, you need to pay me a hundred, a hundred thousand dollars. You clearly don't understand what the fucking market is all about. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I was going to say, that's another thing too, man. Like, you know, most people going to college are fresh out of high school. They don't teach you finances in high school. So they, a lot of them don't understand what they're getting themselves into. And right. probably most people at 18, realistically, I mean, there are those people that like get their calling at a young age and know exactly what they want to do. But there's a lot of people that have no fucking idea what they want to do. No, uh, and then they're racking up student loan debt and, you know, going to school and then they wind up with a worthless fucking degree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that is a worthless degree, right? And women's studies, like, I literally, I don't, does anybody know what it entails? Like, am I just being an ass? Like, no, you're not being an ass. There's only one place that really applies to, and that's to get a job in academia. There's really only one place you can just go. Teach woman, women's right. studies. Again, yeah, you right? get a, like, yeah. You get a fucking PhD and then you get tenure and you get a pension to tell people how bad people like Christopher and myself and comrade Klaus are. You know, I mean, if you're willing to make that investment, I guess it's a pretty good fucking return, man. You get a pension and all that shit. But but that I doesn't mean, it take forever because all of these other professors that are tenured are already there. So you have to wait for them to go away. Right. I guess so. But if you're a lady, you could buy maybe you could boot them out, you know, get a little sexual misconduct allegation going there. You know what I'm saying? Okay. You know, hey, yeah. you right. touch my ass on the way to the water cooler. He's out of here. Um, <laughs> you know, something to that effect. But uh, moving on. So recently, and, and by recently this year, and this is still pretty fresh, right? We're about four months into this bullshit uh, communism part two. Uh, the GameStop event, Comrade Klaus. Uh, what did you take out of all of that? Were you paying close attention to it? I know that Christopher was. We were to, uh, to a large extent, Angel and myself. Uh, Brian, when he, uh, he was paying attention to it as well. What, what was your take out of all that? Yeah, it was, that was a really interesting event, too. It really showed how the corporate press operates in a lot of ways mm -hmm. and how they just slandered these people from the very get-go as basement dwellers and neckbeards. And it was pretty interesting to see just how right out in the open it was uh, as far as the propaganda. And it was kind of just, for me, it was, it was a lot easier to understand as opposed to something like the 2008 financial crisis. Oh, yeah. You know, when we start getting into leverage-backed securities and or sorry, mortgage-backed securities and, and all that, uh, all those complex financial instruments, it, it can get very difficult to understand. But if you explain to somebody that, let's make it simple and say that there are 100 shares of a company and it is shorted out to that somebody is borrowing 140 shares. Can you explain how somebody could possibly do that? And it's, it's just really easy to explain to somebody who doesn't understand finance that basically what was happening was a very irresponsible event by the hedge funds mm -hmm. and the slandering that was being done on these press, you know, corporate press agencies was uh, really just that it was just slander and just propaganda. Yeah. I, I, Christopher, wasn't there somebody who did a, a post on Reddit that was part of that whole thing that was essentially saying this is revenge for 2008 for what happened because like this person yeah. lost everything. Yeah, there, was, there was a lot of people that had that sentiment, whether it was like people like people our age, you and IJ, um, or younger people whose parents were you know fucked over by the financial crisis in, in 2008 because uh, a lot of people lost their asses on that. 
Um, but yeah, so like a lot of people had that sentiment, um, especially the ones that were like buying up stocks, like a lot of them, you know, if they, if they made a shit ton of money out of it, cool. But like they, their goal was simply to hurt these hedge funds, which was, which was brilliant because they've been gambling. I mean, that's pretty much what they treat wall street as it's, it's a, a casino for, for the elite. For sure. Um, and, and especially with the way the GameStop stuff played out, like if that isn't apparent, like if you haven't noticed that by now, like I don't, I don't know if anything will ever get you to stand up and take notice. But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, even like, because I mean, I remember 2008, you know, Jay, you remember 2008. And yeah, we worked like, together at that time. Yeah, yeah. And I remember, you know, the, the kind of uh, effects that it had. Um, and, and this one, you know, and, and like Comrade Klaus was saying, like it, I, I vaguely understood what was going on in 2008 at the time. I more right. so understand it in retrospect now, but as it pertains to the GameStop event, like I was just watching all of that stuff like unfold in real time and keeping up on it and, you know, getting in on that subreddit and reading through all the posts and, and going through everything. And it was just, it was amazing. Like you said, the coordinated effort, like the word cathedral is perfect for how they coordinate and what they do and how they, they, coordinate their message like you said it was just hit piece after hit piece after hit piece trying to make these dudes like look like they're awful like who in their right fucking mind would feel bad for any of these hedge funds Mm -hmm. other than the government (laughs) right on yeah and the central banks you know because they're the ones that are losing out so um but yeah i mean just seeing that unfold and how they coordinated their tactics and and how all the financial institutions coordinate. It was like everything just came together. And like I said, like, you know, uh, the term cathedral is just perfect for that, how they just have like this unified effort. Like it's this entity that just, just fucks people, man. <laughs> like it's a machine designed to fuck people. 100%. But, but like, yeah, it was just crazy how it was like, you know, like Citadel and, and Robin Hood. And uh, I forget the name of the, the other hedge fund or the, the, the short sellers. Uh, but yeah, how they just coordinated and you know, like they shut down the trading on Robin Hood and then tried to put out BS stories in the press, you know, uh, trying to cover their ass. But it was just like it was so blatant and out in the open, like the message that I got from that, like reading between the lines is this is our game and you're not allowed to win. Yeah, it goes back to George Carlin, doesn't it? It's a big club. You're not in it. You ain't in it. That's it. Yeah. 100 yeah. percent. You know it, not to get too much off topic, but I'm really, it really bothers me that we lost him. I mean, obviously everybody's got to go that way eventually, but the funny thing is, is like when I've rewatched all of his specials and like the clips that you can find on YouTube, you don't have to have HBO or anything. How relevant it is today. (laughs) Yeah. But people laughing, not only how relevant it is, but people are laughing because he's making it funny, but like he was teaching you something while all of this was happening and you were laughing at the joke. But it really wasn't that fucking funny because he was te- he was telling you these people are fucking you. And like the whole, you know, that the reason why they call it the American dream is because you have to be asleep to believe it. You know what I mean? And it's like, holy shit. Now, I know that he probably had some more left wing tendencies, which is fine. Again, I'm I'm well getting over that bullshit because we have far more in common with each other, you know, than we do after. If we can go with, you know, economically, we can go our own way. You know what I mean? But he really knew like like. The problem was is that I don't think it caught on with the right people. Like the regular people went to listen because, you know, he did the seven deadly words like shit, piss, cunt, cock, cock, motherfucker, tits, fart, turd, and twat, or whatever it was. 
like that that said words you're not allowed to say mm-hmm. and people went for that because there's some shock in that at the time now that I mean that's my my 18 year old son uses that language regularly which i i don't you know i don't like because he has no reason to be that angry he's too he's far too young to be that pissed off but anyway um he was really teaching people about what was going on with the country and how you know when he was like i don't vote he goes if you if you if you vote you don't have a right to complain you know what i mean you 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 went and chose a master you know and the rest and you usually it's the other way around right all the quote regular people will tell you like well if you don't vote you can't complain well no yes i can because you're the one who selected the assholes like i i had nothing to do with that that has nothing to do with me so he was right but anyway i wish george were around for what's happening now you know what i mean i wish we wouldn't have lost him so you know i mean again he'd been around for a while i get that but um He's truly missed. So I want to move on again while we're still in the uh, economics category. Capital gains tax. We hear that a lot. We hear people wanting to increase it. Uh, We hear people that want to get rid of it altogether. What's your take on capital gains tax? The word tax is in it. So I'm going to go ahead and just make a a very, very simple assumption that you, like me, don't like it. So go ahead. Yeah, it's it's one of my favorite topics to almost back road in after – Trojan horsing them with Bitcoin. <laughs> you, you, you get some Bitcoin in their pocket and then you start explaining that capital gains tax and how, oh yeah, actually that money of yours that you put in there. Yeah, the government's going to want about 40% of it. Um, so you just really start explaining that to people and it really starts getting the wheels turning on. Wait, just because I converted something from one form of currency to another, I need to pay almost 40% on that? It's insane. It's, 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 it's the mafia doesn't charge you that many points on a fucking loan on the VIG. Like, I mean, it's ridiculous. My gosh, man. Uh, well, why, what's the, what's the, I, I guess they don't really need a reason, but like, my question is what's the reasoning behind it being 40%? Like you just, to, is it to discourage people or I don't know. It's the difference between short-term and a long-term capital gain. So if you've had it for, I believe it's less than two years, it's usually counted as a short-term capital gain. And this is not financial advice. I'm, I don't, I'm an idiot, of course, but <laughs> with regard to long-term capital gains, the rate's a different rate. So it's almost encourages people to hold on to things for longer periods of time, as opposed to moving them and selling them right away. Okay. Angel, I don't see you writing anything down over there. Like, I, there's going to be an exam, and you're going to get an F. <laughs> like, this is terrible. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. There won't be an exam. Uh, we already all got Fs, Fs in the chat. Uh, so I want to move on real quick to something that's really near and dear to my heart. And when you wanted, when you said that you, you there's a list of things that you want to talk about, you put uh, destigmatize in front of the following words: radical, coup, anarchy. Now. Uh, someone that we all know, and he's been on the show before, uh, Pete Quinones, which is a big inspiration behind what we do here. He was a massive inspiration for me to, sh- uh, to start our, this podcast of ours. He said that like he's almost like a post-anarchist, right? Like he, he's moving on from that. I personally have always enjoyed, so, I mean, the entire time that I've come into identifying as an anarchist, I do like the aesthetics that come with it. I do like it being a radical ideology. Radical is in it's completely deviating from what normal people think. Um, and also it being morally correct, the morally correct position, right? So what what do you mean by destigmatizing these three words? What uh 
how how could we go about this i mean again we all hang out in the same circles so it's pretty normal for us to see words that don't conjure up like when we think anarchy i think of christopher like having a garden or us using a 3d printer to make legos or you know whatever like you know engaging in involuntary interactions or just walking around and doing whatever i want with my dog because like that's that's anarchic right i mean uh, there's no rules i'm not bothering anybody right so they're pretty normal transactions to me but for the average person because of those 15,000 hours of public education they hear an anarchy and they might think of like let's say sacco and vanzetti who were wrongfully tried and murdered by the state for murder that which they did not commit when they think of anarchy perhaps if they had a halfway decent history teacher they, they heard a haymarket and that turned out to be fixed by the police. The police were the ones who threw the bombs and started the whole thing. And all of the martyrs of, of Haymarket were exonerated by the fucking government because they're like, nah, they actually didn't do anything. Regardless, what, what, what's your idea behind the destigmatization of these phrases? How, what, what's your strategy to go about that? Yeah, so with regard to radical, for instance, um, I would explain that Bernie Sanders couldn't possibly win because he was a radical. And just explaining that some of the people that other people like, like AOC, is also kind of a radical in so many ways, but she's also a controlled, you know, entity as well. So, I mean, she can't go as far as somebody like Bernie Sanders or somebody else because they have certain uh, ties to them or, you know, they can't go too far outside of the edges or they end up uh, having things happen to them. Um, you know, and I think Pete said it, yeah, he had a line about a, uh, you know, some of our savage forefathers going up the frozen river and uh, committing a conspiracy against the, the crown. And you know, shoot some cops. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I believe and, uh, is how he put it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I mean, just thinking about you know, times have changed so much where nowadays our red coats aren't wearing those red coats anymore. But using phrases like that to make people realize that what those people in those police uniforms or those suits on Capitol Hill, those are our red coats. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think almost just using the words against them, you know, an insurrection. So, you know, did you, I hope you guys had an insurrection and went and saw your family on Easter Sunday. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and yes, I did. And it was delicious. I had a great time, you know, and so just using these words, they almost get get tainted in a way, um, you know, pointing out that the constitution was a conspiracy. It was an in act of insurrection of rebellion against the government of the Articles of Confederation. Um, so just pointing out and using these words almost in ways that you can't, you can't ignore them. You know, you can, you can try to uncorrupt and basically turn these words into what they are, which is just poison. You know, these words, essentially what they do is they just inject poison into the argument. And so deep, you know, almost using that poison right back the other direction. I really like that. That, that, that. In fact, that's why I think using those terms, like I call it, like I've, I've called them in the past, the King's men, because that's what they are. The King's dragoons, for example, for those of you that watched uh, the documentary known as the Patriot starring Mel Gibson. Um, and uh, who's the dude who played the, uh, Colonel Tarlington or Tavington or whatever. No, there was a real Tarlington. He played this dude named Tavington. who was like a dragoon that like set fire to fucking churches and shit like that. It's, it's a documentary. It actually happened. No, not really. It didn't happen. It was just a movie that was made 21 years ago. That was really fun to watch because, you know, you did see this, this act of hatred 
that was portrayed by uh, the actors in the direction of Mel Gibson to look at Redcoats as being the scum of the earth. Like when they surrender and the militia guys just start fucking shooting the surrendering Redcoats and like the one dude who's a reverend, he was like, this is murder. And the one guy goes, reverend, they're Redcoats. They fucking earned it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah, that's kind of, I like the idea of using those phrases to conjure up those images because like you said, the aesthetics might have changed so from 1775 at Lexington and Concord till today, but we're now they they've just merely moved to a different group. Their uniforms are different. The concepts of tyranny, agents of tyrannical rule, still exist. In fact, they have far more power than King George III could have ever imagined having power. You know what I mean? So I think it's really important to um, destigmatize those words, to use them uh, regularly. I like how yeah, you said. Like insurrection. Did you guys have a fun insurrection at Easter? That's absolutely true because we were told by the witch doctor and his agents, the Pharisees, not to do that because we were going to kill our parents or we're going to, you know, grandma's going to die again. And, you know, all these terrible things are going to happen. Grandmas can die more than once. Uh, well, apparently they can. I don't know. Or if you have several grandparents, perhaps you can say jokes on you. All my grandparents are already fucking dead. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> Same here. But to think about it, like also, this should be a troubling thing, Comrade Klaus, when you look at applying the word insurrection to just going to seeing your family and having fucking turkey or or, or having a ham for dinner. In fact, is a revolution. Now that's a revolutionary act. It's an act of open defiance is to going to see your family and enjoying each other's company. Like that's how far we've come, you know, and I once again, it harkens back to that image of the frog in the water. Right. Like you don't a lot of people are not realizing just how far this has gotten. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or they feel powerless to do anything. That's why language is such an important tool, because if they control the language and, you know, very Orwellian, but if they control the language and can change the meanings of the words, like that's like controlling people's minds, you know, like you said, how people feel about it. Like, like, like it's a shame that we have to use that type of language where we have to destigmatize like anarchy. You know what I mean? Like, it's a shame that there's a stigma on it because of the way that they've controlled the language and made people think or associate the word. Um, right. Because, you know, like you said, we're, we're not taught that stuff in school through their, you know, their, their Prussian education system. Yeah. Yeah, that's 100% right. Yeah, that uh, Prussian model that we're still dealing with that was far better made for prisoners. I just, I've stopped like so originally like you know i would go and i would wear like a mask inside the grocery store because like you know some of the workers were complaining like people aren't wearing masks or what this is before like there was a mask mandate and i thought okay well if it makes if somehow it makes them feel more comfortable and they're working and i can go to the grocery store and get stuff i'll wear the mask right well like i've just completely stopped like doing that like I do, like I said, I go in the UPS store like today, like I went into like the local, you know, shop, you know, down the road from my house to get, you know, some water for the dog. Um, Cause I was taking him to the dog park. And then I also got an energy drink for myself and I just, you know, walked in, didn't have mask on, paid for my shit and, you know, in cash and walked out. And like, I, nobody said anything to me. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and the cashier was wearing a mask and other customers were wearing masks, but like, I didn't, nobody said anything to me. So like, I just stopped doing it. Good for you. I, I don't know. What are they going to do? Yeah. Well, it all depends on who's there. If you have somebody who doesn't care, 
then obviously what happened today where you went to the dog park and you had fun happened. If you have somebody that does care there, we have video evidence of what happens in like, let's say Ontario and Canada, what they did to that 67 year old grandfather and dragged him out of the fucking house. Or, you know, it's in certain places they've arrested people who aren't wearing masks, even though none of these mandates are laws. Like, even if we're going to play the Constitution game and the legal game, right, right. All of the like mandates, not laws, (laughs) mandates. They're essentially like here in Ohio, they just uh, passed. Okay, so they passed a bill to limit the governor, any governor from here until. I don't know that we take over Michigan or whatever. I don't know. Mm -hmm. No offense to people in Michigan, but you know, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like from here until the second ice age Mm -hmm. that no governor is allowed to have this kind of power ever again to write Royal decrees from the bench and say, this is, you know, this is a health order and it's the law Mm -hmm. that the Ohio general assembly said, no, now it was granted. It was along partisan lines, which really, really shows you how stupid all these politicians are because the, the, the Republicans said, yeah, check the Republicans power. Mike DeWine's a Republican and probably in name only if we're going to play that game, because he's not very friendly on guns and he's clearly an authoritarian as all of them are, but there's a scale on how much authoritarianism each individual politician has in them. He's very high on the list. Okay. Comrade Klaus, so they passed they passed a bill that said we're going to limit the powers of every single governor that comes through here. You're not going to be allowed to do that. You're going to have they're going to have to go through the legislature and all this other stuff. He vetoed it. He and then he was like, well, I'm going to veto this because, well, you know, what if there's a serious, serious health emergency like Ebola? He literally dragged Ebola back out of the closet. Right, right back. I said, no, nope, we're going to put Ebola back in your face to be afraid. Well, they overrode his veto. And before that. The governor was like, well, let's talk about this. Let's see if we can negotiate. And to the lawmaker's credit, which is very rare that we're going to give him any credit at all, said the time to talk is over. You clearly didn't want to talk to us before. We're not talking to you now. The problem that I have is that all those fucking liberal politicians that didn't that didn't support limiting the power of the executive in the state. What, what, what do you think? Like, really, you guys are okay with the governor just doing whatever the fuck he wants and not consulting, quote, the representatives of the people? Like, what kind of fucking Democrat are you? Like, what kind of what kind of asshole are you? Like, I mean, seriously, really? You're okay with, you know, then why are you there? Then why do these people fucking vote for you? Right. Why do you even have a job on the taxpayer's back if you're just going to let the governor do whatever? He's a king. He can do whatever he wants. So they finally overrode his veto. So they're, you know, finally, he has some check on his power. But they don't seem to be flexing their muscle, at least recently, because now he's dangling this this really awesome carrot in front of all the, the, the people, the proletariat. He's going to say, OK, we're going to get rid of all these mandates, all these uh, the mask order and the, the social distancing and, you know, the dining thing and how many people can be in a room while they're touching each other's dicks. Like, you know, this is what we're going to do. If it's 50 cases per 100,000 Ohioans, all that goes away. I look today, that number is about 1,900 per 100,000. It's never going to happen. I hope that people understand that. I I mean, I'll go ahead and apologize and eat crow if I'm wrong. But to go from almost 2,000 cases per 100,000 residents right now in April, you think you're going to have fun by summer? You're having a fucking laugh. It's not happening. You know what I mean? So, again, I don't know what we're going to do. There's no stop wearing the mask and do whatever you want, do whatever you want. Or like when we went down and saw Chris play in his band, the total fucking uh, at a speakeasy for punk rockers. 
it was great. People were smoking reefer indoors, cigarettes and drinking and hanging out together and sweating and singing and having a great fucking time. And I can't wait to fucking go back because it was like America two years ago, which although it wasn't as free uh, is miles ahead of where we're at right now. So <laughs> right. Um, again, engage in that insurrection, right? I just don't even think about it. Anymore. Angel, the insurrection is just... going to the fucking stop and shop. I don't give a getting shit. Getting a Red Bull without that mask. I mean, you might as well be at Lexington and Concord, sister. I have one in my purse and I just don't, I just don't put it on. I'm like, I'm not fucking, I'm going in there and I'm getting a water and a fucking Red Bull. Like, water. It's take me through water. Seconds. Yeah, water and a Red Bull. Yeah, water, water and a Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. What did I study? Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting those two things. I'm getting the fuck out of there. Like, leave me alone. I'm not putting on this stupid mask. Because, like, I have the dog and then there's dog hair, like, flying around, you know? And I'm like, I'm going to fucking put that shit on my face and it's going to go right up my nose. Like, no. Yeah, that's that's almost as dangerous as the Rona because you can crash right. your car when that happens. Exactly. You know I'm mean? like, I'm not I'm not even doing it. Rain and dog hair in your then car. I, you know, you see the people and they have like the, you know, the chin diaper, like the mask is like from like, you know, here down. And like, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is the point? Like, just don't wear the mask. It's fine. Everybody's fine. You're fine. Everybody's You'll be okay. Fine. Yeah. It's uh, going to be okay. It is going to be okay. Uh, someday. I don't know when, but we all know comrade class every day it's okay that we're not going to be able to vote our way out of this shit right i mean there's just no there's no political solution to what we're involved in right now gosh i mean I, how long are you talking I, I think if we have enough time anything is possible but mm-hmm. you know in the short term uh ultimately i choose to be white pilled in so many ways I, I choose not to to view it as the game is over and that there's nothing we can do um you know piece by piece person by person, mm-hmm. if you want to call it the remnant or whatever uh, that Ron Paul alluded to, um, you know, just waking up more people to liberty yeah. and just creating your own, your own freedom in your own area. You know, he- here in Klaustopia, we, we <laughs> haven't had any mass mandates or quarantines or anything, you know, um, yeah. we've been open for business and just, you know, and encouraging more people to live that way as, as though, you know, whatever the witch doctor of washington tells us you know it's (laughs) we can do what we need to do to to take care of our families and and everything else so you know i I think really i just i always go back to just live your own life and Mm -hmm. you know old old president same as the new president doesn't really matter that's right old boss same as the new boss uh we've heard that before and you know i think that um i think that there's a lot of truth to what you're saying because i think that perhaps the victory individually is your refusal to bow to any order but your own order you know how you want to live your life um and you can't convince these people the masketarians the people who are willing to approach strangers to police their behavior not knowing if they're going to get stabbed with a knife Mm -hmm. you know for talking to somebody the wrong way on the wrong fucking you know like you know let's say they you know their their girlfriend just broke up with them the dog has run away and then you're going to give them shit for not wearing a mask they're going to stab you with a knife yeah they will that's That's how how it works that's how it happens yeah so you got to be careful but at the same time i think not bowing to the order to doing as you please to live your life the way you want to as long as you're not harming anybody i think is the it's that is the way to go it's the only way to go uh, for people like us you know what i mean for free individuals and to well i think also too like if more people just don't wear the mask then other people will be like, well, those people aren't wearing masks. Right. I think it's okay. And then they won't wear a mask. And then, it's, you know, everybody's free. Yeah. Of the mask anyway. 
I'm thinking about like going into the store without the mask. And then when somebody's like, you know, Hey, you got to wear your mask. I'm going to go, well, I have a medical exemption. Now I'm waiting for the one where they're like, well, you know, you have it. And then I, I start to unbuckle my pants. <laughs> like tattooed on my fucking freckled ball sack. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. You got to get down there. Though. You know, you got to get down there and breathe right. it in. Breathe in my fucking oh, medical God. exemption. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm I'm almost really tempted to that scene in Parks and Rec where Ron Swanson pulls the note out of his pocket. <laughs> Don't worry, I have a permit for it. I do what I want. Admitting something that just says go fuck yourself. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I, I, I fully encourage that behavior. So let's switch slash it, slash it. <laughs> we went from language to uh, let's go to events. So we have a couple of events on here, right? 9-11. Um, let's see. Well, being welded into homes. Uh, the New Deal delaying recovery. Let's talk about 9-11 and that impact. Like what kind of impact did it have on you? It was, I would say it was a defining moment in my life, not so much because of what happened, but because I remember what, what, what it was like the day before, you know what I mean? Like the day before sticks out in my mind as much because I remember everything that I did the day before on September 10th, 2001, I was 21 at the time, you know? So, and I was also a young member of um, <clears throat> the uh, socialist party USA at the time. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm still in full recovery mode, but I was a card carrying member of the socialist party. And I remember I was, um, at the bastion of capitalism, which was a local mall, uh, getting uh, photographs uh, done at this place called the Picture People, which doesn't exist anymore. For used kids, they used to have people take your picture for you. You just couldn't do it yourself. You know, you didn't. You know, I mean, and they had these things called cameras that they put film in them, and they'd have to be developed, right? And then you pay people to do this. You just you, there was no phone for that. I had a cell phone. I had like twenty minutes of talk time. It was like if somebody was trying to rape you and your car was on fire, you had 20 <laughs> minutes. You got 20 minutes to save your life. Otherwise, it just wasn't worth it, you guys. Okay. Like um, you remember free free calling after 9 p.m.? Oh, Christ. Yeah. And then when they're back like in 2003 and four, like you had to wait, like you had X amount of text messages that you yeah. could use. And then it was 25 cents. I remember I got a bill for $400 from fucking AT&T. And I basically pleaded complete and total ignorance. <laughs> they lowered the bill. But yeah. No, you goddamn kids don't understand how difficult it was. We might as well have been using telegrams. And you had to have like your circle like of <laughs> yeah. friends that you could talk yeah. to for free no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So getting back to that 9-11, what was the impact on you, man? Like what was that? That's a major event, a huge event. What was the impact? I think probably for me, it, you know, being a young, young kid at the time, it, uh, it really catalyzed some sense of, patriotic need and you know a common enemy and being able to take that 30,000 foot view and, and take you know take a step back for a second mm -hmm. I think it it almost is a, a we're in a new era and you know the war on terror is almost forgotten you know we're not so afraid of people flying planes into the towers today right we're afraid of our neighbors breathing on us or yeah. being within five and a half feet of us, you know, six feet's okay. But if you're, if you're, if you're within my five and a half range, we're going to have a problem. Okay. Unless you're inside a school, because if you're inside a school, they've then three feet okay. is okay. Yeah. And then an airplane, they don't give a fuck. They're like stuff them in there. Yeah. We're that's what, that's what cracks me up is like, 
when they're getting on an airplane, they make them all stand in line six feet apart, but then they pack them into an airplane like a sardine can. <laughs> like, no, no, the best part is like, like nobody just like does that doesn't click in, in any of their minds. Like none of this fucking makes sense. It's it's no, like, it's, it. like going the to the bullshit. restaurant. You yeah, know, that's what I was get just getting ready to say. In with the like, mask on, but if you sit down at the table, you can remove your mask. That's yeah. right. So. Yeah. But if you're like walking around, you better have that mask on. It's it's very strange. It is a strange time to be alive. What I remember too was um, uh, as the war drums were getting geared up, the uh, Socialist Party had sent out uh, an email with the the Daily Worker, which is the name of the periodical uh, produced by the Socialist Party, condemning any efforts to go to war. And I remember those people who were advocating for peace at the time might as well have had leprosy. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And I even remember feeling guilty for being a member of a, of a group of people who thought that war was not good to get involved in another war. I really felt guilty. And, um, you know, it was amazing that here we are uh, going on 20 years that we've been there. The longest war in the history of the country, longer than the War of Independence, longer than Vietnam. And uh, I think that I, I honestly, Comrade Klaus, I mean, if I'm going to be if I'm going to put a status cap on for just a second, I'm going to go ahead and put that invisible status cap on. I would like to propose that Afghanistan become the 51st state of the union. I mean, <laughs> we've been there for 20 years. You know, we have a lot of invest uh, invested in there. You know, lots of people have uh, put a lot of money in there to extract poppy or to extract uh, the, the precious metals that are there. Um, the gems, all that shit to mine the country. Let's just, I would think about this, Comrade Klaus. We admit them to the union, which means they get two senators immediately. And then they get proportionally represented in uh, the lower house, the house of representing as it is. Uh, Could you imagine the Taliban caucus arguing with AOC while arguing with Ted Cruz while insulting Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> I would entertaining. You want to talk, you heard it here. <laughs> you heard it here that I would, I would watch C-SPAN like fucking Jerry Springer. <laughs> I would, I would put, I would record it on a DVR if I couldn't get home from work in time. I would love to see that the Taliban, you know, and now here's uh, Muhammad, all what have you. Now, our, you know, he's making a point and he's talking about how nobody's recognizing Ramadan as a national holiday and how AOC doesn't have a head cover. So she has no respect for nothing <laughs> and that she's a whore and that, you know, Nancy Pelosi, she drinks too much. So she's a drunk and she's, uh, you know, no, she's a whore and, uh, you know, <laughs> an aversion to Allah, praise be upon him and all this other great shit. Oh, my God, it would be fucking crazy. And then to see an ultra conservative Islamic group arguing with American conservatives about shit. Oh, man, like people don't re- appreciate how much of an opportunity we have here for some real good old fashioned entertainment. And you think nothing gets done now? Think about trying to talk to the Taliban about gun control. That would be fucking epic. Hey, listen, you guys aren't allowed to have those fully auto AK-47s you took from the dead Soviets that we helped you kill. They'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> Um, That's if you get to the mountaintop to even talk to the dude. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. You might be in a couple of shredded pieces of pink mist as uh, you walk up the mountain. All right. So we have that now. The New Deal. Here's an interesting thing. So I know that I talked to Angel about this. I know that she's seen the movie. I just recently saw the movie. It's uh, Ferrari versus Ford, I think it's called. Mm -hmm. It has Matt Damon in it with uh, Christian Bale, the Batman guy. 
and Henry Ford is in his office and the second and he's looking out and he's like, you see that factory over there? He goes, that's where, you know, what is it? Three out of five uh, bombers came out of this factory in Michigan and Detroit. He goes, you think FDR won the war? And, you know, and when I think of that, I thought of that immediately when I saw the New Deal delayed recovery, because I think it's been proven the only thing that got the country out of the depression, which was prolonged by government policy, was starting the second, the, the world war, the second world war starting, Lend-Lease starting, where we started making munitions and all sorts of stuff and selling it to the British, and then finally getting in the war and putting every American back to work or in, you know in, on the battlefield is actually what got the country out of a government-created depression. What's your take on that? I couldn't say it better myself. I mean, that was you even added some some details about the uh, the weapons company that I, I I didn't know of. So that I, I think you hit it on the head perfectly. It's one of those things when I hear people talking about the Great New Deal or some of these new programs, just pointing out the the fact that, and you've said it so eloquently, man, that was good, um, that the New Deal delayed us getting back together as a country and, you know, being back to normal, if I can put it that way. Um, you know, times were tough during the Great Depression, and if anything, that the government policies only made it worse. And, you know, with good intentions, uh, that, that road, to, road to hell is paved with good intentions and just pointing that out. Yep. Yep. That's, that's 100% true. Uh, shifting a gear real quick to talk about um, uh, war. So now that um, we have uh, the corpses in charge, you know, he's going to war against the American people first. But the war against the people in Yemen, in Syria, will continue unabated. How do we, you know... My biggest problem that I guess I have is that people don't realize just how much of an impact that they're having economically on the ability of the state to conduct business. Okay. You're complete. I remember when speaking of 9 11, uh, a lot of people made the case against uh, Osama, who they, they, they obviously already knew was the mastermind or what have you, and said, you know, you killed all these innocent people in these buildings, which I agree with. Obviously, I'm, you know, just because I'm an anarchist doesn't mean I'm an asshole. You know, I'm an asshole on certain things, but th that's 100% true. His justification, and you have to kind of look at it and say, okay, he said, yeah, but all those people pay taxes. And all of those taxes are used to help Israel get weapons and also to kill, help kill Muslims in Muslim countries. He's not wrong in that respect, right? He's not, because that money is being extorted from the people and being used to conduct war in the Middle East to kill innocent people. And now, I mean, could you imagine drones if they had them back in the, in the mid-90s or in, uh, in the early 2000s? Like if they were actually had drone warfare like we do now, what we're doing in Yemen? I mean, it would be, I can only imagine the carnage that we would see if, if you know, we would be now, let's say, into the 18th year of the drone war. I mean, fuck, they might be firing fucking nuclear-tipped Hellfire missiles instead of just Hellfire missiles at this point. So let me ask you this. How do we, how do we break the programming, in your opinion, when it comes to talking to people about the war situation? Because, like, you, you know, you kind of said it a little bit. Most people don't realize what's going on. They've totally forgotten that we're actively at war not only in Iraq, but obviously in Afghanistan, and we're fighting in Yemen. There's troops in southern Syria, American soldiers with boots on the ground in southern Syria, okay? We're also getting involved in uh, West Africa because I believe it's in Mali 
where the um, one of the uh, the terrorist organizations declared loyalty to the Islamic State. So now they have American advisors in Mali and Mali is kind of close to where Mauritania is on the wet in Western Africa, uh, sub-Saharan Africa. Well, part of it, the northern part is in the Sahara Desert. But anyway, I digress. So what do you think is what's the approach? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, it's it's a tough one. Um, for me, growing up on the West Coast, it's uh, most of my audience and the people around me are pretty liberal. And so for me, it's oftentimes reminding them that we once had an anti-war movement on the left. Now, uh, I still say we sometimes I forget that I'm, I'm not a uh, Bernie bro anymore. You know, I, I've seen right. the ways. I'm also in, in uh, recovery. Uh, so you said, right. <laughs> um, but really just reminding people that when George W. Bush was bombing multiple countries in the Middle East, it was only a couple of countries. Um, you know, he had some other ones, but we are in so many more countries now. And just, you know, there's even more countries in Africa that we're, we currently have operations in that they're willing to admit, let alone the ones that they're not willing to admit. Right. Um, you know, and the statistic you often cite of 25 a day, the, the dogs that are shot by federal agents or cops or whoever they are every day, that's just what they're willing to admit to. Right. Um, so how many other operations do we have going on in other countries? I don't even want to start going into, but for me, it's almost playing on people's love of democracy. You know, I, I oftentimes uh, will use democracy and it, is it fair to be bombing democracy into other countries? Democracy at the barrel of a gun? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of just getting that thought into people's heads that, you know, maybe us forcing it on other countries is not necessarily the best way to go should we be you know instituting regime change and how many countries have we done it in now um right. whether you know you bring up the open air slave markets in libya thanks to hillary clinton yep. um you know there's so many areas to attack it by but it's not an easy one and i i often think it almost comes down to that um i don't know if you guys listen to the podcast uh school sucks with brett vanat he has a guy on who is a marketing expert. And one thing I, I really remember that stuck out is from any marketing training I've done, they talk about the number of times it takes for an idea to stick in your head. And with music, it's so much easier. Mm. So it takes about, I think they say on average, about four times to hear a song for that song or the melody to stick in your head, as opposed to with concepts, with words, it takes 27 times. So it's going to take a while and it takes planting those seeds, but there's got to be more effective ways to do it. And things like punk rock or, you know, other things, true punk rock, you know, who are, you know, some of your old intro music was phenomenal. I've always wanted to ask is, but Chris, was that your, uh, your band? You talking the, the new intro or the original? The original one. Oh, the original one wasn't done by me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that. It was done Sorry, by yeah. a friend, Joe. Uh, he, he did that. And I, I asked him because this is before Chris was on the show. I asked him to come up with something. And he's a status, by the way. He's argued with me back and forth on the, on the top. He wants to work for the FBI. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's OK. Hey, listen, you know what? I'm not here to judge. He's been a friend to me. No, and, he's a good guy. And he's, you know, yeah, I just don't agree with him on, on that at all. You know what I mean? But he did write those lyrics about being a, a free thinker. 
and then when christopher wrote the lyrics for the uh for the current intro which is the intro that's going forward from now on unless he changes it because we're going to be sticking with it but i mean if you think you hear his you know lyrics that are in that you know you want to be uh you know live in a voluntary society and be free from coercion you know i mean that's those are the bottom lines but you know like yeah like you say free thinker yeah that was um that that was a that's a big that's a big theme that you're going to get on our show and at least in the community right you know yeah the, the new music is so awesome too i just i like them both so much i was listening to some of your old episodes and so it was stuck in my head recently from one of your <laughs> other ones yeah, so I get cool. the, yeah i get the new intro stuck in my head like i'll be like because mm-hmm, you know i put it i put it together and then i always listen to it just to make sure everything lines up okay and you know so like you probably hear that intro more than anybody yeah then. so i'm like you know <laughs> every time and i get it i i'll have it stuck in my head like the rest of like the day you know from well, when i edit here's the thing with that intro if we're going to talk about it the big difference between the two of them is like if I, I if i'm looking at youtube analytics a lot of people checked out on the first one a lot faster because the song was much longer christopher hits it with the punk rock because punk rockers attention span is already like a minute and 40 seconds tops <laughs> so that means that our average youtube viewer that's not part of the gang he's got to hit him really hard, really fast. You know what I mean? Which he, he, that mission is extremely like that George W. Bush mission accomplished style. He got that shit done. So, you know, it, it's hard and fast, you know, just, you know, that's what she said. Um, or key depends <laughs> on your flavor, Todd, I'm talking to you. Um, <laughs> you know, it, but yeah, I, that was a, that was a bit of a problem. Unfortunately was the first one went so long that yeah. a lot of people were like fuck it like i can't wait for this like yeah like the first one went so long and it didn't make sense for us to trim it down because no. of the way the song was written which was and and like like jay said we looked at the analytics and like there was people that like checked out like within like the first minute and we're like we've got it we've got to cut the intro song down mm-hmm. and you know not that we had a, a problem with with the original intro because it was great it was just from what the data told us, it was just too long. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's it. So I was like, I got to do something. Like, we got to create something new and, and you know, nail that 30 to 40 second, like, you know, mark for the intro and and, and spit it out and, you know, have it be what, what we're about and condense that down as much as possible, which is kind of easy to do with, like, a, a punk rock kind of song. So I just like threw that together, but yeah, like I'm already in a band and I've got like the equipment to record and edit music here at my place. So uh, I roped my guitar player in, who's also my cousin. So it wasn't difficult to rope him in. I'm like, Hey, you want to come over and drink some beer and write an intro for my podcast for me? And he's like, Hell yeah. (laughs) So so we came over and and hashed it out and bada boom, bada bing, there was the new intro. And, and, and like we said, just, just for time, like that was the literally the only reason why we changed the intro song was just for, for time reasons. Right. And it, and it just with the way the other song was, there was no way that we could edit that other, like the original intro and have it still sound good. Cause there was no like moments where we could be like, Oh, you know, we can clip out this, you know, 20 or 30 seconds right here. And it, it just, you know, the way it was written, it wasn't conducive to the idea of chopping it down like that. So that's why I was like, yep, you know, I'm in a band and I've got the equipment. Fuck it. You know, I'll, I'll write a new intro for us. And if you guys like it, we'll use it. So and that's that's the story. Yeah, it was because yeah, so it, it's straight away like he was like, oh, I'll listen to this. And I was like, let me know what you think. And it was just it was perfect minute one. Yeah. So it just worked out beautifully. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
camera club. Oh, I, I love it. It's such a piece of art right there. And, you know, I was almost thinking like if I, if I, if somebody were to need, you know, intro music for a podcast, would that be something that you'd be interested in? Um, I mean, yeah, I could do that. Um, I mean, I guess I never really like, I mean, not to say that I haven't thought about it, but that I haven't put serious thought to it. But like, yeah, like if somebody was like, hey, you know, could you write some intro music for us? Like, I mean, I'd have to like go in, you know, exp if, especially if it wasn't like a podcast I was terribly familiar with. I'd have to listen to a few episodes and kind of get a feel for for what was appropriate. You know what I mean? And then obviously you know, yeah, you'd have to take questions, you know, whereas like with me, like writing it for us, like I already knew what I wanted and what I wanted it to be like, I would need, you know, input from somebody like, you know, do you have, you know, particular keywords you want to use? Like, like what kind of, what kind of music for the intro you're looking for? You know, you want rock, punk rock, you want like something more synth, you want, you know, whatever, you know, like, so, but yeah, like, I, I mean, I, I, like I said, haven't put serious thought into it, but it, it would definitely be something like that. That would be fun because we had so much, like I said, it was me and my guitar player, and we we had so much fun. We just sat around, drank some beers, and was just laying down tracks and and editing it and putting it together. And it, yeah, it was it turned out to be incredibly fucking fun. So yeah, if somebody wanted me to do that and I could maintain the level of fun that I had writing our quick intro, like hell yeah, I'd totally do something like that. I'm interested. We'll we'll have to chat afterwards. All right. Outstanding. And if any of you that are listening that want to get a hold of Chris, you have to go to his twitter which is at the bloodletting or you can email the show use guys and that at gmail.com or info at useguyspod.com so um you know man that's all i have for right now is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up and of course the rest of the group if they have anything else they'd like to talk about before we conclude this episode no i just want to thank you guys for having me on and i guess if i were to leave you with one question it would be to ask each of you your favorite name for police <laughs> oh that's a good one <laughs> um yeah you go first i need a minute mm, uh i don't know if i have a favorite word for them maybe um i heard once somebody say oh that person just got blurped because like the and then you know you get pulled over and it's the lights and obviously it's the siren but they go bloop, bloop. and so like i kind of liked that but um maybe i don't know i do, i don't know come back to me i'm gonna think about it I mean, for me you it. can never go wrong with the classic pig because mm -hmm. especially to a cop because it to them it's so fucking derogatory and that gives me so much pleasure uh <laughs> but but i mean you know you could also like call them like thugs or like i like jack booted thugs um that's pretty appropriate too um can't really think of anything else like super clever or witty or something that's like really funny off the top of my head but but like i said you can't go wrong with the classic pig <laughs> like is that that's perfect i have to echo what christopher says pig is usually my default but i also have started to use the word the gestapo um uh -huh, yeah, that's, I yeah. Think that that's fitting kgb doesn't have that ring because a lot of people you know that didn't grow up during the cold war are not going to get kgb like i'd love to call them the nkvd but that even makes them more confused like what the fuck are you talking about jay what the fuck is that what is that a, you know, a flavor of toothpaste what are you doing you know what i mean but gestapo is pretty even if you're fucking 20 years old you've heard that fucking word you know what it means you know what i mean so that's a part the pig is always going to be first place because it's a fucking insult. And like Christopher said, they hate it. They don't like it. They want to make it illegal for people to call them that in some uh, in some mm -hmm, states, yeah. communities. 
And um, I think it has power. Once again, do the words have power? You know, calling somebody a motherfucker really doesn't mean anything if it doesn't hurt your feelings. Right. Then call right. me a motherfucker all day long. Be like, well, yeah, my wife is a mother and I do fuck her. So, I mean, whatever. You know what I mean? That doesn't really bother me that much. But like if you think of the, you know, the other pejorative terms that you can call somebody, you know, like you say, you know, a cop, you call them a pig. The pigs are over there. You know, I know that the Italians used to call them bulls, like the ones that were um in the mafia. You're like, there's a million fucking bulls listening to the phone calls or what have you. Like that, that doesn't really. I think that might be reserved for federal cops too. Um, I know some some yeah, old school trucker lingo. They call them Smoky Bear. Smoky like over Bear their, over, over over their CB radios, like because I read like my my uncle uh, used to drive truck. Um, oh, okay. And I I rode with him like a few times whenever he drove truck, and I'd I'd hear him like all over the CB radio because they all warn each other, like you know when cops are where right. the cops are sitting, you know. <laughs> How about the fuzz? Remember that one? Yeah, the fuzz. I was gonna say fuzz. Fuzz is pretty good. That that's pretty good. But I mean, if we're gonna go for insult power, it's pig all the way. Pig all the fucking way. What about you? I'm a big fan of. I mean, I thought you were gonna use the the King's Men one, which is one of my new favorites of of yours that you use a lot. I I think that one has a lot of power. You know, redcoats, King's Men, those kind of things. But those are kind of almost for standing armies of occupation. Not that police aren't, but right. uh, Right. My, my, my new favorite is a land pirate, you know, so if you ever get pulled <laughs> over by the land pirates, and just conjuring that image in somebody's head where they have to think about it a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Do you know why I refrain from using that one? I'll tell no. you because I love fucking pirates. <laughs> I love I, that's fair. Right. I, I absolutely love pi- like I have Blackbeard's flag behind me. Like I, I, I'm a huge fan of pirate lore. I'm a huge fan. Like there's a great book by Colin Woodard that he wrote about pi- about the golden age of piracy. Like, I'm a huge fan of that, you know? And I hate to associate something cool with ho- hoisting a black flag and pulling somebody over and taking their shit and then associating with the cops. Like, I, I would yeah. fucking hate to put the two of them together, but it fits. It fits because they are extortion artists. You know what I mean? Right. They are, they are, road, pi- they are road pirates. I just lament the fact that I have to pump them in with something that I enjoy studying. You know what I mean? That's why I fucking hate it. Um, King's men and red coats works in our community. When I, when you've used, when you try using that phrase with people who don't roll in our circles and it, and there might be like, you might see that, that little bit of a twitch, like what was he talking about? What does that mean? You know, there's not, we don't have a King. We have a president. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. the kind of people that you're dealing with. You know, it does, for those that are at least semi-educated to fully educated, when they hear red coat, they're like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know what I mean? And when you associate it with, like, I call them the standing army of occupation because that's what they are. They are like, I'm telling you guys right now, man, all this shit that Biden's doing right now, all you all use fucking listeners, you guys have heard me talk about before. The army and the Marines are not coming to your fucking house. They're not going to do it. They're not dumb enough to do it. The cops will come. Mm-hmm. They will do it because that's the kind of people who are running the show the, 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 the military people are not dumb. They're not going to fucking do it. I've asked every single fucking veteran that I've, that I've been able to talk to for the last 15 years. Hey, when it comes to, uh, to gun confiscation, are you going to be willing to go door to door? My buddy who's a uh, 82nd airborne 75th Ranger, he goes, yeah, I'll tell him sure. And we will go out for eight hours and we'll come back every day and say, you know, darn it. We couldn't find anything. They're not, but do you think the police are going to do that? No, they will do it. They've been training for it for a very long time already. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They have uh, equipment of a standing army already 
from the Department of Defense, the, the surplus uh, MRAPs and shit like that, where uh, try do, do yourself a favor. If you have a Facebook account, okay, there's a couple of pages on there. There's one called the Thin Red Line Supporters, which is my one of my favorite to engage with because they're a parody account like you know support our boys in red meaning the red coats right <laughs> and he'll he'll go out and say hey make sure you so, show support for this officer like today or no no yesterday it was the uh the new nominee for the uh the terrorist organization that is the bureau of alcohol tobacco and firearms who's part you know who has responsibility for burning children alive at waco they he, they he posted something about doing some sort of uh charity race or something on there and I posted a picture that says anything else trash on his post with a microphone pointing towards a trash can. You know, just just those little bits of engagement where you can go on there. Those are the places where you can kind of use that language, red coats, the king's men, shit like that to get people thinking. But the average person is just like, we're like, oh, what is he from Canada? What does that mean? Like, a king's <laughs> men? you know what I mean? Like Angel like the movie. Angel, go to your fucking uh, your quick stop next time you get yourself a fucking Red Bull and whatever fucking Chino that you're buying there and say that to the kid that's working behind the desk with the fucking mask. He'll, he'll probably just laugh. He'll be like, oh, yeah, it's kind of like when somebody who's foreign speaks English to you, you don't understand him. You just laugh to show that, oh, yeah, yeah. He could have just said, would you like something to eat? And you're like, oh, yeah, OK, because you're just being friendly because you don't understand what the fuck they're talking about. You're going to get the same reaction. But to circle back. Let us circle back like Jen Saki says. Big Saki. Let us I'm going to circle back. Definitely Pig is at the top of the list, followed by Gestapo. I'm a big fan of Gestapo. Jack booted thug is beautiful, but it takes a minute to get out there. Yeah, I was going to say it's a lot of syllables, but Yeah. <laughs> but man is that that fan. That's why you can just use the shorthand. Or dog killer. You can dog killer. Dog killer. Dog mm-hmm. killer's dog, dog killer's good, you know. Try this also. When you tell people about, I did this to a FedEx driver that came to our uh, our loading dock, and I was, you know, he said something about the police, and I automatically said, "Well, I'm not a big fan." And we're like, you know, well, what's your problem? And I said, "Well, you know, they kill 25 dogs a day on average." He looked at me and goes, "Well, the, well, I mean, what are they supposed to do when a dog attacks them?" I'm like, "Do you see what you did? Just you, you did it. You assume the dog is attacking them. You're not assuming that they're doing anything wrong. You automatically assume that there was a reason for it." And I'm here to tell you that there is that, that in most cases, many such cases, there is no cause for it. There was no I'm in, like they said that they were in fear of their lives, but there wasn't a cause for it. So, again, if you have the opportunity to try to light a little bit of a revolutionary fire in somebody's mind, uh, these are very good words. These are very good tactics to use to try to introduce people like we've done. This is an on ramp episode. So this is yet again another opportunity for an on ramp. But um uh, do you have anything else that you'd like us to, uh, to talk about, uh, Comrade Klaus, before we wrap it up? No, I just want to say thank you guys for having me on. And I'm looking forward to the uh, Afghan for Afghanistan for statehood shirts that you guys are going to be having coming out hopefully soon. <laughs> Writing that down right now. <laughs> right. Taking note. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have to do this because Christopher is always hitting me with great T-shirt ideas. And I have to write them down because I know I've lost some in the sauce. And I, that's unacceptable. <laughs> That's unacceptable. Even if nobody buys them, I'm going to make one for us. Yeah, I, I right, want right. one. We're gonna, we have to make one for. Like, uh, I still want my, I still want my feces and sedition. Feces and sedition is is on is is on tap. No pun intended. Yeah, I, I want that shirt. All right. Yeah, I think that'd be great uh, to come up with a design for that one. So, uh, boss over there in the black hole, 
Uh, you got anything that you'd like to add before we check out of here? No, just uh, want to remind everybody about our Patreon and, um, you know, our sponsor, which I will let you handle that. Yeah, the fans didn't like it that you took over my sponsorship no, spot. No, 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 they the, don't the, like the it. fans didn't say anything. It was you. Yeah, they did. They contacted me directly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They contacted me directly. They're like, listen, Todd the gay sub can only be handled by I know, your I big agree. freckled hands, baby. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> your big freckled hands, baby. My big, my big banana hands. <laughs> yeah, them big banana grabbers. <laughs> Go, Chris, do you have anything else before we check out of here? Uh, you know, actually, I did want to make a quick point just about like 3D printing, um, especially I, I don't know how well it would work to red pill somebody that was, you know, that proclaims to be a communist, but something that you could do, like, say, if they aren't on board with it, uh, is to remind them that, uh, that the 3D printer, if you, if you, if you are a true communist and you stick to your print, your principles that the 3D printer is the closest you're ever going to get this truly seizing the means of production for yourself. And guess what got us there? Capitalism. Oh. So so that get your 3D work. printer. Yeah, get you get your 3D printer and print yourself whatever you want to print, but we all know what we want to do. Um, you know, make Minecraft figurines. Dog. Um <laughs> Of course. But yeah, I, I just thought that would be like a good point to to bring up to somebody, especially if they're like, you know, waving the sickle and hammer flag and trying to say that they're a fucking communist. Like if you're if you're true to your convictions and you believe in seizing the means of production, then get out there and start using a 3D printer. And then, like I said, just gently remind them that it was, the 3D printer was brought to us by capitalism. Thank you. <laughs> Mike drop. <laughs> Mike drop. Well done. Well done. I, uh, I don't have anything else. I'd like to also uh, talk to you guys real quick about book of the month. This isn't a club. This is just stuff that I remind you guys that is available for you to enjoy. I'm currently enjoying on Audible, uh, Revolution 1989, The Fall of the Soviet Empire by Victor Sebastian. That's spelled S-E-B-E-S-T-Y-E-N. It is an absolutely phenomenal read so far. Uh, going back uh, in time, uh, all the way back to Stalin, the Stalinist era. Uh, going through all of the countries that were part of the Soviet empire in Eastern Europe. It's a phenomenal read. It's awesome to see how things developed and how communism crumbled uh, this totalitarian model of it anyway. So um, I recommend checking that book out if you have time. Once again, our website is useguysinthat.com or useguyspod.com, useguysinthat at gmail.com, info at useguyspod.com at useguyspod across Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You can get at us there. Please, you know, don't forget, you know, check out the videos. I'd subscribe to the BitChute if I were you because there's yeah. going to be a lot of exclusive content that's going to be coming there. Um, don't forget Patreon, just like Angel said. There'll be more content coming there and a chance to win a T-shirt because, yes, I do love to give away free T-shirts. So if you mm. like a fucking T-shirt and you like the chance and you might win something, you might get a T-shirt if you subscribe. I don't know yet. We'll see. Yeah, he 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 is the Irish Oprah. He's Oprah O'Reilly, <laughs> passing out them T-shirts. I do so. I I do like to pass out the T-shirts. It gives us a chance. Also, T-shirt 
t-shirt for you, lad, and a t-shirt for you. <laughs> t-shirt <laughs> for you, for you and one for you. That's right. I'd have to do this, like this, our sponsor part with like an Irish accent. All right, lads. I'm going to talk to you about Akron Apothecary, also known as Todd's Very Gay Soap. Um, it's called, it's, look at this flavor right here. It's, uh, it's raspberry, blue raspberry. That's very good for your saints and your, and your undercarriage, especially your bottles. If you like to keep a clean sack, please consider Akron Apothecary. Do you like that? Was that fucking close or what? I've been there three times. <laughs> God damn it. I should be able to do that fucking accent pretty well. Um, yeah, that was good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'll be here all week. So Akron Apothecary. Okay. Also known as Todd, the gays, very gay soap. Don't be a bitch. Everybody likes a clean asshole, whether you're gay, straight, whatever however you identify, everybody likes a clean fart box, especially if you're going to get down to business. It's a Saturday <laughs> today. Well, when you hear this, it's going to be a Monday. You got to start out the week fresh. You're going right. to the bar after work. Maybe if you don't live in a communist state and you're allowed to do things, but you should do it anyway. Go out and have fun. You meet a nice person that you're interested in, perhaps, you know, engaging in a, some sort of uh, fluids <laughs> exchange. Please. Don't forget right. to clean your asshole. Especially if you're interested in analingus, you know, if someone's going to hit you dung ditch like the fucking trench on the Death Star, make sure that asshole is clean. <laughs> oh, um, uh, I don't know if I can keep doing this now. <laughs> uh, there are flavors as sweet tobacco, cocoa butter, peppermint, poppy seed, sweet tart and cocoa butter. And there's only three left or three people are looking at the peppermint poppy seed. So you might want to get on it. And also, of course, plain old soap. So support small business, support the gay community, show that you're not a bigot and show that you care about personal hygiene, having a clean dung ditch, as it were. Todd's the gay, Todd the gay is very gay soap, also known as Akron Apothecary. Uh, I don't have anything else. I'd like to thank our guest, Comrade Klaus, who you can find on Twitter at K L A U S C A L L S. That's at Klaus Calls. Excellent follow. We're a big fan of his. We're glad that he came back for part two. And if you ever want to come back and chat about something, we're a platform for our friends. So don't be a stranger. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. All right, guys, uh, that's it for this bonus episode. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the platforms, especially BitChute, because you're going to see more exclusive content as May rolls through. Um, we should be having a pretty big guest come this Thursday. Um, this is part two, so let's hope we get it right this time, and hopefully this individual is able to make it. So for myself and the rest of the gang, thanks for, uh, thanks for listening, thanks for watching, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Peace. Peace.